Good morning again, and welcome to Black Mental Health Matters. With me is Dr. Joan Samuel Dennis, who is an RN and psychotherapist. Dr. Joan. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Are you able to see me? I'm seeing a blacked out screen when I look at it. No, I am not seeing you as yet. Oh, okay. My apologies for that. It, I have my camera on, but not sure why that is not coming up properly. Let me try a different. There we go. Oh, there you are. Okay. Good morning and welcome, Dr. John Samuel Dennis. Thank you. Dr. John is an award-winning speaker and authority on trauma recovery. It is so good to have you with us today. It's a pleasure. Um, Dr. John also deals with reconciliation and forgiveness. She specializes in promoting the mental health and well-being of individuals, families, and communities. For over a decade, through her groundbreaking trauma recovery strategy, the forgiveness method. Yes. How are you doing today, Dr. Joan? Uh, it's very early here in Kamloops, but I'm doing awesome. <laughs> awesome, awesome. That's great. That's great. I am in Barbados. I'm a licensed spiritual practitioner of Centers for Spiritualism. Okay, okay. It so it's my pleasure to be in your presence. Absolutely, my pleasure to be with you. So what I'm going to ask you to do for me first is to give a brief definition of what is trauma and also a little description on what is adversity so that our audience have an understanding of the different types of trauma that you can experience in life. Uh, probably I would begin by saying most traumas are adverse. Um, and in a lot of ways, most adversities are traumatic. So. Um, the definition I like to give everyone who is kind of like the lay listener um, is that a trauma is not to be measured by um, the incident, how intense it is, how fierce it is, how magnanimous it is. Uh, it is solely based on your response. So one of the things that I also like to say to my clients, because it's always new for them to think about it that way, is to say that we all have had traumatic moments. So um, the thing is we can all, say three of us can experience the same event. And for one person, uh, the response, they might be able to just go on and you know have no response to it. But another individual within that same group will see the very same thing and yet have a more intense response and a traumatic response to it. So we've all had one of those moments. And so there's no point in comparing intensity, uh, but you look at your response. So the response is typically one where we become intensely afraid, even though it might be a minute thing. To us, it's a rather big thing. So we become intensely afraid. We become panicked. We become overwhelmed. And then after the overwhelm, there's usually a sense of being punished, and that's usually in the aftermath. Um, but it, it causes a very visceral response uh, from the individual. And in that moment, uh, there is uh, a very quick and rapid process of the individual making some decisions about the ways in which they're going to respond, if they can respond at all. And there's a pattern that is established in that particular moment that then plays itself out in a re repetitive cycle 
uh, after the fact. So that's what a trauma is. An adverse event, I would say, is something that um, is intense. It, it has a certain strength to it. Uh, it can be something like divorce, uh, but a trauma could also be divorce. So I think, you know, in terms of comparison, um, I wouldn't even try the comparison anymore, but I would just say, you know, we've all had adversity and we've all had a traumatic moment. That I can understand. Um, what I'm going to do is have just a discussion with you on trauma and childhood, because I think sometimes people bring a lot of traumatic experiences into adulthood. Of course. And that experience from childhood has not been addressed. I think very often we as parents don't see the signs or, or don't. Oh, I said, don't see the signs because we're not educated to understand how trauma impacts our children. I think a lot of times we miss the boat. We, we don't see it and we think, oh, the child is just acting out or behaving weird. But I've seen situations where you're dealing with an adult way into their 90s, still carrying that trauma, still having nightmares about things that happened when they were very, very young. Absolutely. Um, so, in fact, most of the things that, as a trauma therapist, I deal with uh, are from childhood. Um, I think there are moments where we see the cycles repeat and then the person comes in because another rather drastic thing has happened. But most of the ways in which we strengthen an individual is to go back to those childhood traumatic moments that they've experienced because that's the place where they formed a roadmap of thoughts and beliefs and sensations uh, body memory sensations that now actually they just kind of get stuck in a pattern based on that so for children um again it can be it can be anything uh, that becomes traumatic. But what you want to watch for is the response. And the response is is really about three different things. Um, and you'll hear this described in the general literature, but we often fail to understand what it looks like. So when a person is uh, usually traumatized or afraid, because the first response is fear. And when a person is afraid, the very first thing that they are going to do is they're gonna seek out someone who can make them feel safe. So if a child has experienced, uh, uh, say a parent uh, beating them, or if a child has experienced molestation, or say a child is experiencing the divorcing of their parent, or if a child has gone away somewhere and experienced a friend uh, or someone else uh, witnessing something that has happened to someone, even if it's like a, a fall or something like that, um, or someone dying. Uh, people leaving is also traumatic. So oftentimes we don't recognize how much leaving of one individual from a person's life can actually impact them. So we often don't pay attention to it. But you will notice that the child should uh, seek out uh, someone to make them feel safe. And Sometimes it's in the seeking out of the person to make them feel safe that often they are then a double harm occurs because the person who is supposed to play that part of helping them to feel better doesn't actually do that well. The next thing after you try to 
feel safe, the next thing naturally um, is to go from one person to the next to the next. If that doesn't work, the individual then has to go into a survival mode. And that survival mode is about running. So in the everyday adults, you're gonna see adults who can't stay present in a, in a, like a difficult conversation. It doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be anything that is drastic, but they can't stay. So you'll find those individuals constantly leaving the situation. Then you find that if a person uh, can't leave the situation, the person has to fight. So, you know, you'll find adults who you're just having a normal conversation with them, but it turns into a fight every time. So really in that moment, what we're doing is we're triggering a childhood response to something that was seen before. And, and now that's being activated and that individual is just kind of doing the same thing that they've always done. The other thing that we'll see as the final stage uh, is that the individual lays down, um, literally can lay down on a bed or just go really silent. And it's hard to engage them in a conversation because that person is now again, pulling something from the past into the present. And it's like, well, here's something that's threatening me. And so I can't really respond to it because I'm remembering when I felt unsafe before. So I'm bringing that into this moment now. So in every, with every client that I have, I have to go back to that three, seven age, um, sometimes it's 10, but I can locate the exact moment in time that connects to what they're experiencing in the present moment. So the present is always helpful uh, to help us go back to the moment in time that we actually need to heal. And once we actually effectively heal that moment in time from the past, we can then look at the present moment and say, how do those two overlap, forgive the present moment, and then it closes the loop that has been um, just keeping them in that space of fear for as long as it has. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, because I'm listening to you and what I'm hearing is that a lot of situations, a lot of relationships can be healed if we would just pause and say, you know what, there's something not right here with me. Yeah, I need to seek professional help. Yeah, and, and I'm listening, I'm looking back over my own relationships with people and see where I too have been a lever, you know, if it doesn't feel right. Yes. <laughs> you pack your bags and you run. I don't want this. Yes. And it is hard to admit, but maybe I am still carrying childhood trauma that have not been addressed. Or you've addressed there are conversations I don't like to have. Yeah. Or you've addressed your traumas in part, but you, you haven't actually addressed the fears that's connected with the trauma. And the fears have layers to them. So, you know, you're going to have certain conversations. And the thing, the other thing that we need to recognize is that there is a soulish way in which all our lives are operating. So we tend to look at the physical, the relationships, you know, the moments that have happened, but we tend not to realize that there's a law and a system that is spiritual that is also at play. So the law is you must learn to love. And that means that if you are still afraid, you are not in a place of love. So every encounter that you have with an individual in this present moment is really going to show you what you're afraid of and give you the opportunity to tackle it. 
And then as you tackle it, you'll discover the layers of fear that's connected with that earlier moment that you really need to deal with. Yes. And then as you deal with that earlier moment, then you go, oh, that fear really doesn't exist anymore. So why am I still acting as though it does, right? But it's not that you're acting. It's real. It happened in the past and it requires you to go back and love yourself in that moment, love the people in that moment, regardless of what they did. Come back into the present moment, love yourself in this moment, love the people around you in this moment. And then as you do that, there's just this amazing thing that happens where all of the triggers, well, I'll say the triggers that you deal with, they disappear right there and then. Yeah. I, I like where you're going with that because one of my questions was going to be on soul trauma how do we carry trauma in the soul yeah and as a licensed spiritual practitioner and also um, practitioner of clinical pastoral education in yes. health and education yeah i understand the trauma of the soul that we carry a lot of things at that spiritual level yes and oftentimes it is very hard to get a clinical mental health practitioner to deal with that soul trauma because as i said it's clinical and they will just look at the surface stuff that we tell them but to go back in and pull all of the traumas out and deal with them yeah so that healing takes place and as i said most times it's a call for love and it is about loving yourself back into wholeness absolutely um i'm glad that you you raise that. Um, the the soul trauma uh, is really about, you might have a different understanding of it, but, but from the ways I've come to understand it, the soul trauma is really about the separation from self. One of the things that happens um, in the moment of a trauma is that we have these brain cells called mirror neurons. So I'm just going to go to the scientific level and then I'm going to come to the spiritual level. We have these brain cells that are called mirror neurons. They were discovered about 30 years ago. What we now understand about these brain cells is that they help us to see another individual, uh, very quickly assess and interpret what behaviors they are involved in, but then very quickly assess the intention of the behaviors um, that they are involved in. So in a traumatic moment, for example, uh, what's going to happen is the these mirror neurons, they have actually to do with consciousness. So our, our fields of consciousness are interconnected, right? So I am not just this body. I, I expand beyond the body. That is called my field. And, and as I expand beyond my body, and I am even speaking with you right now, what is happening is our fields are connecting, right? So as you're looking at me, and even my arm is going like this, you're figuring out, well, what is she doing with that? What is the intention of that? Well, in a traumatic moment, usually what's happening is there's a harm that is happening. So these mirror neurons allow us to step into the consciousness of the other individual. As we step into that consciousness, we have a sense of what are they all about? How do they intend to harm me? Then we can assess how do I protect myself from the potential harm that is here? But the other thing that happens is that their beliefs, their thoughts towards you, their actions, then uh, permeate your field. And sometimes in these intense moments, because you're so connected to the individual, we absorb what they have to say, do, speak about us, think about us. We absorb it. And as we come out of that moment, 
the absorption is just present, right? So we adopt another person's beliefs about who we are in these moments and we carry them. Okay, so the next thing that happens in a traumatic moment, when it's really intense, literally the person separates from themselves. And so unless you come back to yourself very quickly after the trauma has happened, you will go your entire life mourning the separation. That is the soul injury. So there's separation from self. As you separate from self, we are all connected to God, whatever you want to call God, but we are all connected. That separation is another part of what might happen there, is that there might be a separation from, from the, that thing, person, whatever you want to call it, that is universe, that is God, that is spirit. And so two separations can happen, separation from self, separation from God at the same time. So in the healing journey, what we have to do is we have to come back to self and coming back to self is the only way that we then open the field once more to coming back and connecting with creator. And so it is there then that a whole bunch of other things can begin to happen. That I can understand. Uh, and, and that is really well said, the way you help explain that, because we're all connected to source God, whatever name you give to the mass energy that keeps everything going. <laughs> yes. know, and, and I think that's where people get lost. Yes. Tend to disconnect from that and just see life from a physical perspective. Yes. But there's so many other things going on underneath at the soul level and as you say we're interacting with energy fields when we interact and we can project our feelings and our thoughts on each other influence each other that's powerful we are the thing is we do not realize that most of us do not realize that yeah yeah we have an amnesia <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the way you put that yeah we do have spiritual amnesia we don't remember that we're not just a physical body. Yes. We're a spiritual body. Yes. <laughs> and you have to address, in my opinion, you have to address healing by looking at not just the physical element, but yeah. the mind, the body, yeah. the soul. You have yeah. to bring everything into balance. Yeah. That's the way I see that. Yes, absolutely. You spoke about survival mode, and I've heard this term used you know, in my personal life, where someone said to me, <laughs> I have to do what is best for my survival. It is about my personal mm. self-preservation. Wow. Self-preservation. <laughs> yes. I am doing this action because it's about self-preservation. Right. And I could not understand where they were coming from. Mm. I still don't understand where they coming from when you're talking about self-preservation. Because their their idea of self-preservation harms me, you know. Right. And, and harms me in a way where and it comes back to this, you're leaving. And, and, and your leaving is about your self-preservation. That that brings me some sort of pain, you know, because yeah it is not what i wanted yes 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 so how does survival mode and self-preservation mm -hmm. really help that person who's saying well look 
I'm going to take this action so that I can preserve myself. Um, I think there are times where the individual becomes afraid and they're not really sure what they're afraid of. And I think because that individual wasn't clear on what they were afraid of, as they spoke to you about it, they could not convey it because there wasn't an understanding. But the only thing they could convey is, I am afraid and I'm going to take this action because that helps me to stay safe, right? And so I think all of us do that. All of us are sometimes in that space where like, okay, how does this remind me of something that has happened in the past? And what did happen in the past? And when I didn't pay attention to it, what was the outcome, right? So let's speak in very practical ways. Um, just recently, uh, for me, I, I was put into a group of people. And then people started saying things like, oh, you know, just keep the faith, keep going, you know. Um, I know we all want our breakthroughs, so just continue to pray. Well, I know prayer is important, but I also know that you have to know what it is that you're praying for in order to have your breakthrough. So I said to the group, I was just new to the group, but the skill sets that I have, I said to the group, if seven of you, and there was about 30 people in the group, if seven of you are interested in working on a breakthrough, why don't we get together on Friday evening at such and such a time, and then we'll come together. So, and then we'll do some coaching and then, you know, some prayer that actually then manifests what it is that we want. Um, one person responded, and then the person who ha has the group responded and said, oh, you know, um, next time just check in with me and just, you know, let's not confuse the group. I didn't think I was confusing the group, but she obviously felt that I overstepped and she wanted to correct me, which was fine. But one of the decisions that I made after that was to exit the group. Why? Because I don't want to be in a space with 30 people who are going to, you know, or one person is going to set the tone by saying, hey, you know, keep going. We, we all want breakthrough. I don't want to be in a field where there is a desire for breakthrough and then no one does anything about it, right? So I don't operate in that space anymore. I'm a very active individual. I go after things and make sure that if there's something that's lacking, if there's something that I'm struggling, I'm going to push through and make sure that I learn what I need to learn right now and then get on with it. So I don't put myself in that field anymore with people whose mindset are like that. And the, it's not so much that I'm scared. It's more that I know the impact of the other minds of other people. And I know that they will then impact me, even if I don't want to be impacted, even if I have certain skills to be impacted. I know being in that space will impact me without any conscious awareness of it. So I, I remove myself. So it all depends on, are you doing it because you know something and you it is really truly protection or are you doing it because you're afraid and you're just finding a way to run, you know? So I think either way, you have to look at what survival is. Survival is, I need basics of food. I need, I need protection. I need to feel like I'm valued and that I'm esteemed. I need to feel like I'm a part of a community where I belong. 
I need to feel as though I'm pursuing my purpose. Those are the basics, right? Uh, not just food, water, shelter, right? Uh, we all have the basics of needing to feel like we're living and pursuing our purpose. So when things come in that could potentially, you know, take us off the track that we want to, we can go into that mode of saying, hey, I need to survive. And hey, I need to get this out of my field in order for me for that to happen. So I don't know the motivation. I just know kind of the actions that we might we might take. And I like where you went when you said sometimes you can be influenced yeah. at a conscious level without being aware. Yes. And very often what we say goes into the subconscious mind. Absolutely. And the subconscious mind have a habit of manifesting our thoughts without even consciously activating those thoughts and saying, well, this is what I want to happen. The yeah. subconscious mind says, well, this is what I heard. This is what I'll deliver. Yeah. And again, this is another area where people are not very familiar with how thoughts, how are thinking. I can sit here and I could think something for you. Yeah. And send it through the ether to you. Yes. Without you being even aware. Absolutely. And that is one of the reasons well, why I think I would be aware because you would pop into my mind for just a moment. That is correct. I but think then people others, are yeah, but others, if they're not aware of that, they would think, oh, that's a memory. I was just thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. But, but if, I have a tendency to say, don't pray for me. Don't pray for me. Um, and, I, and I do that because I have a formula for prayer. Mm. And, and I don't want anyone to hear that formula. I don't, I'd love to hear that formula. You're going to have to share it. Well, my, my formula, I'll share it right here, is a five-step formula um, brought to us members of the Centers for Spiritual Living by our founding member, Ernest, Dr. Ernest Holmes, and it is five steps. Yeah. The first step is that you recognize that God is all there is. Yes. The second is that because God is all there is, you too are all there is. Is all there is. So it is God is all there is, I am. Yes. That's unification. And then there's the realization step. And the realization steps take you into that realm where you start to Speak affirmatively yes. about the thing that you're desiring to experience. Yes. Knowing that it is already done. Yes. And then you two step thanksgiving. Yes. And of course you release it. You let the word go, knowing that it is a done deal. Yes. Yes. And and that's that's my formula. Love my it. Preferred, for, preferred formula. And I've been through several spiritual, let me correct myself, several religious. Yes. Um, teachings. Yes. And this one for me makes sense because when you study the teachings of Jesus, Jesus yes. never asked or begged. He just right. spoke his word. And he, yes. For example, with Lazarus, he just said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus. Yes. Yes. He's on yes. the ocean and he tell it to cease behaving badly. And that's it. Yes. Yes. He didn't ask. He didn't um, say, well, please, God, may this happen. He just spoke his word. So that's yes. the formula that we use. Yes. And that's called spiritual mind treatment. So you ah, spiritual mind treatment. Okay. Yeah, spiritual I, mind I treatment. I love it. I mean, I've done affirmative prayer before, um, which I, I like the way you say the first step, you know, you, you come into that place of realizing who God is and that you are one with God. Um, and so do you choose an aspect of God uh, in that moment based on what it is that you're asking? Or do you just go into the same space all the time? You go into this, well, for me, I go into the same space all the time, but what you can do is 
identify with the quality of God. Let's say I'm treating for world peace. I, yes. I'm doing an affirmative prayer for world peace. Yes. I will start by recognizing that God, God is, is all there is. God is world peace. God is peace. Full yes. stop. God is peace. Yes. And as I know that God is peace, I too am peace. I am peace. And if, if I'm praying with you and I would then say, and as I know this to be true for myself, I also know this to be true for Dr. Right. Joan, yeah. that she yeah. is peace. Yes. And then we'll go into the realization. And in the realization aspect, you will say things like, right here, right now, I speak my word knowing that there's only peace in the world. Mm. And you can call every continent, island, you know, where people exist and say there's peace. Yes. And then you give thanks knowing that this is so because if peace is all there is, I am grateful that there is only peace. Yes. And I, I love use it. my word and I say it is a done deal. I, I personally could say it is a done deal. <laughs> and I got that from my mentor when she was with us physically. Yes. And every affirmative prayer, it is a done deal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. and so this is um the same as saying amen, you know. Yeah. Closing yeah. that. Yeah, I'll say it is so, it is so, it is it so. It is so, it is so, you see. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, having that affirmative prayer yes. is important because it brings you into that space where you realize that we're working with energies. Yeah. And energies that operates based on our ability to think creatively into it. And that's why when we become traumatized, for me, I'm not speak for myself, my trauma happens when someone says something that is negative and I continue to work through it in my mind and I allow it to go around and around and around and I don't let it go. Yes. And then the fear comes. Yes. And with the fear, all the other things happen. We manifest things negatively very easy mm. and i guess that's how we have been taught yes um, and as you said earlier fear and trauma go hand in hand and you can hear everything and oftentimes the uh the judgment and the criticism i think you know that's something that all of us fear um or you know doing something wrong like i think especially in the religious spaces, um, even when you are not doing something wrong, uh, you can question uh, whether you're right or wrong. You can judge, you can criticize yourself. Um, so there's a spiritual wounding that sometimes happens because of the apparatus and the structures that have been set up. And then in addition to that, especially um, in our childhood, uh, children don't intend to go out well most don't intend to go out <laughs> and harm others um and so you know children want to do well uh they want to be uh celebrated they want to be enjoyed they want to you know just know that life is easy um i think that's how i was as a child i suspect other people were as well um so when others come in and they criticize they judge um, it can be tormenting even into adulthood. Like, you know, that person just said a comment, they're not intending to harm you, but then the comment harms because it triggers you back to that place of judgment and criticism. 
Um, it's something that I think I've struggled with that many people struggle with. Certainly all of my clients struggle with. Um, I, I think it's a common human kind of space to be in. I agree with you there because with that comes the guilt and the shame. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, I've been in so many different religious organizations and it was always, don't do this, don't do that. This is wrong. This is... <laughs> You know, when you're waiting to exhale, I spent my <laughs> young years waiting to exhale, waiting to find who I am in a religious organization. It's and funny that you say that. Um, I've, I was watching a, um, a prime video, had this uh, series, it was called 1883. And in the series, it, it, it's, it's about the pioneers, you know. And one of the things I like to say is that peace is a, is a space that we need to pioneer. Um, but they, they were, it was a team, they started as about 54 individuals. Some were migrants from Germany and other, other parts of Europe. Um, and then there was this one family that was actually leaving Tennessee and then moving to Oregon. And so they all kind of came together. And it showed the toughness of the land that they had to move through. But this one free spirit, um, I think her name was Elisa. Um, she was this free spirit who would, you know, in those days, women didn't ride the horses, but she was the cowboy, you know, and she fell in love twice on this trip and one with a white man and one with an Aboriginal man. And as she was, you know, the second uh, person that she fell in love with, she spoke in his Aboriginal language, I love you, you know, and she screamed it out and she was uh, uh, in tears. And there was this one moment where she says, they looked at me, you know, and they watched me almost like they were sorry for the love that I was feeling in my heart, but I didn't care. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like. And I think. I think. I think that's that's what is necessary in terms of dealing with potentially from experiences from the outside world. Yes. Yes. It is to come to that place where you do not let the outside. Yes. Damage what's on the inside. Because when you, know, yeah, go ahead. Because I know from my personal experiences. Yes. That I have closed off certain emotions. Mm. And I tell people I refuse to go back into that place where I want to get romantically involved with another soul. Yes. And I know that my recent divorce where I'm like, everything was broken. The trust was broken. Everything for me. Yes. So I'm like, I would never... I will never go back there. <laughs> right. I am done with that. Yes. These years are now going to be about me loving mm. me. Mm. Well, my children will fall into that equation, but primarily yes. it is about finding that place where I can love and appreciate me and don't look externally to another human being for that. Yes. The validation doesn't need that's to come. That's what I'm working on. I'm not a hundred percent there, but that's what I'm working on. Where I can say, I don't care what you think. My opinion is the most important opinion about me for me. Absolutely. Working, Absolutely. working on it. And not a hundred percent there yet, but I assure <laughs> you I'm at 80. I, I'm yeah. at 80. I think one of the things that she taught me in that moment was when you are being most profoundly in that place of love, 
um, you will express it um, in, a, in a way that other people can't understand. Um, I pray different than most people. I expect certain things different from most people. Um, and I expect myself to be excellent in every place that I go. So loving God is one of those places that I, ex I just expect to be excellent. And that means I learned a variety of praying techniques. It means that I look at the words a little bit differently um, in the Bible that I read. I understand things differently. And so when I am most in love, I love me. I love God. I love other people. And it's so foreign to other people, they look at me strange. And so when, when others look at you strange, you can then start looking at yourself strange, judging yourself, criticizing yourself. So it's important to just recognize that most people don't love themselves, that most people aren't living free, and that in fact, some can be so jealous of your freedom and your love that then they spin on it, accuse it, criticize it. It's just important to know that that's part of the healing journey is that you begin to stand apart, you begin to stand out. Um, and, and that the group of this human mind that we're a part of sees that as strange and then it imposes certain actions towards that. So it's important to just know that and be courageous um, as, you, as you go through your journey. I like where you've gone with this because in, here it is, I'm thinking that if we can get people to stop traumatizing each other, <laughs> to stop traumatizing yes. themselves and yes. come to that place, as you said, because when you, when, you, when you go to that place of love, agape love, yes. you will make better choices in your language and in your action towards other people. You know, sometimes I wonder if the goal is to have the entire world experience that or if the goal through our journey is just for us to experience that and hope for the world to experience that. Um, I think the, the planet has, you know, it has a system to it and, and the system is for every individual to move through and then discover self, discover God, discover love, you know, relinquish the fear. But I don't think the system is necessarily ever gonna change. Um, and that might sound really pessimistic, because if I focus on changing the system, I'm focused on the wrong thing. But if I focus on changing this system, right, then I'm focused on the right thing. Correct. So the, the poor will always be here. The murderers will always be here. You know, the, the parents who abuse their children will always be here because part of the journey we're supposed to move through is to overcome all of those things and then focus here on, on us and shifting us. And then I think as long as we focus on shifting others, it never quite gets done. Uh, because like one person on my podcast said yesterday, we all have to heal ourselves, right? And it's the reconnection with self and the reconnection with God that does the healing and nothing else, right? Except maybe a few tools and techniques. <laughs> I understand what I understand what you what you just said. And I agree that yes, the only way through it is just to go through it and that the healing <laughs> takes place because if we don't have this trauma, yeah, if I didn't have trauma in my life, I would not have chosen the career that I chose. Yes. I yes. would not want to reach back and help those who say I need help. Yes. 
Yes. I wouldn't want to do that. So I yes. understand what you're saying. And yes, the pain and the trauma is a necessary part of self-discovery, God-discovery, and healing. I yeah. understand that. And I don't say that, that doesn't mean I like it. I don't I say that there's a, yeah. Um, the one thing I, I would say is I don't think there's any purpose in pain, right? Other than it is a, a distraction. Um, and I know there's a lot of folks who invest in that. What I say is there was something you were supposed to do before that trauma happened. So remember who you were before that traumatic moment, right? Remember what it was that you were attempting to do before that traumatic moment. Because then the trauma happens, we center our attention there. Oftentimes, the thing that doesn't give us peace is, well, another person in the world has to experience this. So then we spend a lot of effort creating jobs, you know, creating systems that are about, you know, no one has to experience this. Um, and, and so that's just a distraction. But if you go back and just remember who you are, You'll then you'll then know exactly what it is that you're supposed to do in this world, um, and and you will then go for it in the right way. But if you get stuck on the distraction, which is the trauma, and then say I'm gonna rah rah, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna have these rallies, I'm gonna change the system, I'm gonna go on this political thing. I think in in some sense, uh, if that's truly your purpose, go for it. But decipher between purpose and just pain, and wanting no one else to experience that pain, because all you do in that moment is create more pain. I understand what you're saying and what you're saying because I know as a parent, yes. I don't want my children falling and getting grief. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want that for them. And, and sometimes I know it is selfish. I, my girls wanted to be actively engaged in sports. And I said no after the first injury. I said no because that mm -hmm. was a doctor bill on me. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> And, and the second one, she's fair skinned, very fair, came in one day with black and blue bruises from yes. playing football. And I'm saying, you're doing what? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. And again, it is me being a selfish person because I'm thinking football, broken bones. I am not dealing with that. So needless to say, you know, they are, they're not playing any sports. <laughs> And, and if they loved it and truly wanted it, that might be their traumatic moment. <laughs> I, I think because um, they would say, oh, mom, you're so controlling. So I, I think that my controlling uh, parenting put a thought to that. And right. it may not have been a good thing, but I was, I guess in this case, it was self-preservation from a financial perspective. Understood. Understood. But you could have used your prayer. You could have used your prayer. You could have used your prayer and just settle the matter. They will not get hurt. They will not get hurt. I don't know. Um, that that was before this era. My my girls are young adults now. That that was like seven years ago before I had a better understanding of what I'm doing. Understood. Understood. I just couldn't deal with the bruises and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but now that they're older and somewhat independent, somewhat, if that's their choice, that's their choice. Yes, yes. Because I can say, no, I'm not paying the doctor bills. <laughs> I understand. That's their choice. But I think that trauma happens at a very young age for most of us. Yes. And a lot of it comes from our parenting style. I, I know when I look back at how I have parented, I've made some errors. Um, 
to the point where I've heard one of my daughters, they, they talk freely, you know. She said, Mommy, I'm so traumatized by the relationships that I've seen around me that mm. I don't know that I want to have a relationship. Mm. And yeah. I value her for that openness and saying, look, because I would ask her to, you know, she's 19. Do you have a boyfriend? Nope. I'm traumatized because of what I've seen mm. around me in terms of relationships. Yeah. And I've actually reached out to a friend to talk to her, you know, yes. this kind of work to talk to her so that she can start that healing process now and, and find or attract someone that she feels compatible with. Absolutely. And not to look at my experiences and the experiences of the other people in her life. Because I remember her saying, I admire my uncles. My uncles have been very stable in their relationship. Mm. But then when you look at the females in the family, it's like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, and, I, and, and this is a trauma that unless it is healed, she would probably make bad choices unless it is healed because this is what she's seen. The females in the family not in stable relationships. Very few of us establish long-term relationships. Yeah. Um, so there are there are so many layers to the decisions that we make. And the question is, when did she make that decision? Like during what incident um, did she actually make that decision? Now she can rationalize it. She's actually finding ways to rationalize what she believes. But fundamentally, she believes relationships are harmful. Um, and so part of her healing journey will be to go back to whatever moment it was where she made that particular decision. Because it's not only going to impact her relationship with a male, it's going to impact her relationship with herself. It's going to impact her relationship with all others, um, just based on that one belief. So, you know, part of her healing journey will be to go back um, to remember that moment um, to release it. And you can release it with your beliefs. You can release it with forgiveness. You can release it with a declaration. Um, there's a powerful method that's also called the recode um, that that can be done as well. Affirmative prayer is a powerful method as well. Um, but again, you have to know what it is that you're praying for and okay. where, that, where that source of fear is, is connected and release the fear and then step into the possibility uh, of what is. And then after that, then um, the prayer, uh, it's prayer is the only thing that actually alters the subconscious mind because prayer will, in the spiritual realm, connect us with, we, we call it, well, we can call it spirit, we can call it God, we, you know, whatever. But there's a picture in that realm um, that is different from, say, the picture we have in mind. And when we go into a time of prayer, that picture can then come forward. And that is what shifts the subconscious mind. So you, if you're not a religious or spiritual person, you could just think about your thoughts as prayers, right? So when you go into that very purposeful space, you have to connect in with the thing that is bigger than you, the creation, the creator. Uh, so you have to go into that space. And in that space, the, the pictures, the memories, you might call it, come forward. And as you remember, your subconscious mind will be altered. I like that. I honestly like that. And it speaks a lot to trauma, that trauma can be healed. And very quickly, yeah. Yes. 
You don't need to go to the psychiatrist and the psychologist <laughs> for the rest of your life. <laughs> Dr. John Samuel Dennis <laughs> put it in a very short format. Prayer yes. heals. Prayer heals. Prayer heals. Prayer yeah. heals. I'm glad to hear you say that because in a previous discussion, we spoke about therapists holding on to clients forever. Can you imagine that? I know, that yeah. It's a bit of a crime in and of itself. Uh, so when I started using the phrase, I work by the three, seven rules. So in three, in three sessions, I'm going to end your pain. In seven sessions, I'm going to break down the belief systems that continue the cycle of pain. Um, you know, I get a lot of pushback from that. Well, you can't say that. You, you, you can't possibly, you know, get rid of a problem in that little time. And I'm like, yes, I can. Um, so knowing where the problem begins and then having a technique for resolving it means the problem goes away. It doesn't mean that I've gotten all of the problems, but I've gotten the major bulk of it. So, uh, and then we need to empower people so that they can do the techniques that we use. It's not, you know, it's not rocket science. So let's, let's, give this, let's, give it, let's give the techniques. That's, that's the basis of my practice. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, so, but clients come in and they expect that it's going to be long. That's of my practice. Right. So. Don't come to me every day for the same issue. Because <laughs> when we do affirmative prayer, we know that it is done. Right. So you don't come back every day and say, look, this thing exactly. is bothering me. Right, right. You if, you have a, if you have a physical wound and right. it's bothering you year after year after year, you know something is wrong. And chances exactly. are it, it, it means that the blood is not circulating to that area to heal yeah. it. Yes. Or, yeah. you know, you're going to have to amputate that thing because it's not healing and it will That's affect right. the rest of the body. That's right. And and right. that's what trauma does. Trauma affects us not just mentally, it yeah. affects us physically. It can show yeah. up in our body as any type of disease. And the clients need to come in with a true understanding of, of what healing is. Like talking about stuff doesn't actually help you, right? No. So, you know, what it's going to do is make you aware of the thing that you need to heal. But then if you don't have a technique for healing and talking doesn't heal, then, uh, you know, really you're just fluffing up stuff and, you know, they go back to what they are. So you have to be with a practitioner who has tools that can heal and you will know them as soon as you meet them. Nobody's going to say, well, I can resolve that PTSD. I can resolve that anxiety, that depression. You know, it's going to be gone by seven sessions. And I say less now, but, you know, so you're, you. I like that. <laughs> I, like, I like that. And why I you, think that people are sitting around talking about this. Yeah. So if you come to the table knowing that you don't have to spend two years in therapy going to see somebody once a month or twice twice a month, um, if you recognize that talk therapy is a great tool for understanding where the healing needs to happen, then you pull that into a space where there's energy healers and those energy healers can then um, actually just help you resolve the matter or you're, they're going to teach you how to do it anyways, like you said, Sonia. Yeah, you have to. And that's what my practice does. We work with you one-on-one -on -one and we give you the tools to assist yourself. We teach you how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Because my thing is not to be your, well, I don't want to use the word companion, but you know, sometimes you have a crutch for life. Absolutely. And, and, you know, yeah. I help you get back that mobility and, and 
learn how to walk again and walk stronger than before. Absolutely. But you're not going to be leaning on me forever. It is about empowerment. It's about telling you to look that trauma, look adversity straight in the eye and yes. say, look, let us work this out. Why are yes. you here? What yes. am I supposed to learn from this? How can I learn from this? How does this make me better and stronger? Yes. Yes. And the other thing too, you have to sometimes shut out all those voices, external voices, and go within. Find Absolutely. that inner sanctuary within and communicate with your higher self. Absolutely. And let it guide you. Yeah. Absolutely. So we are two minutes after 11. Are there any parting words you want to leave with the audience? I think the only thing that I want to say, especially to us as Black people, is, you know, I said a little bit earlier that peace is a territory, and um, there are those of us who are pioneering that space now, but that eventually we want every, you know, Black person to feel like they can come into the space of peace. And when I say peace, I mean um, a feeling that, the healing has happened, a feeling that you are becoming that individual that you were born to be, a feeling that you have remembered uh, the substance of why you are here and you are pursuing that. Uh, and it's not that there's up and downs or um, there's no up and downs, uh, but that you are continually moving and being transformed in that most beautiful way. Um, that peace is, is reconnection with self, peace is love for self. Uh, peace is being able to love others. Um, peace is, is just desiring uh, a different space for others. So it's absolutely something that all of us should pursue. And we can. We have the tools now. We have the ways to communicate now. Um, we have the practitioners that are there now in order to facilitate this. Not just talk therapy, um, but practitioners who really can heal and are, are, are understanding the energy feels better and better every single day, um, understanding how prayer uh, connects in with those energy feels. So I would just say, um, prepare your mind to start going down this, this direction. I like that. Prepare your mind to start going down the path of healing. Yeah. And I honestly believe that with the right therapist or practitioner, Yes. Any trauma, any adversity can be healed. <clears throat> yep. And that's not to say that you won't have new things coming up, but you will have the tools to deal with those things as they come up. And Absolutely. that will lead to the peace that you're speaking about, you know. Yeah. Because when you know how to handle the challenges and to be at peace with any challenge that comes, and this is a great reminder for myself, to be at peace with any challenge that comes, and to just love it for what it is. Yes. Yes. Then you wouldn't have to have these um, soul wounds and spiritual wounds and other types of wounds that become festered and too infected for me, especially, to enjoy peace, love, and harmony. Yeah. And that's what we're here for to have an abundant life, to live well. I would like to thank you, Dr. Samuel Dennis, for being here. Um, this was very enlightening for me. Um, how should I say? 
I learned a lot more about myself today. Ah, very a lot good. more about myself today. Happy and to help. And I've come to the realization, you know, healing is still necessary for me. The areas that I have to go back at and, and, and look and say, okay, Sonny, you need to work on this. Yes, yes. Um, I have it's still, a it's still the underlying trauma for myself. And I hope that if the others on this program today who have been impacted in a way where they can recognize that they're still carrying trauma. Yes. Just reach out. Reach out. Black mental health matters have several, several practitioners, different types of practitioners. Yes. I'm a spiritual practitioner. Dr. Samuel Dennis is a psychotherapist and she's also a spiritual practitioner based on what she's been saying here today. <laughs> so we, you have options. Yes. There is no reason why any of us should carry trauma to our brain. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I have a forgiveness workbook. If anyone is interested, you go to the art, <clears throat> excuse me, the art of letting go.ca, not com. I think the com brings you to something about Hawaii. Uh, but you can find a forgiveness workbook there uh, that uh, helps people heal. Um, visit my website, drjoan.ca. I even have a free uh, event this afternoon. So if folks want to come to a healing session with me on my website, you'll be able to register for that as well. You forgot? Well, um, I'm going to share some of the thoughts here. Yes. Beautiful topic and discussion. Love is the be all as we all made an image of God. Love naturally radiates amongst us. God is love and give thanks every day. I love this. Yes, yes. Thank you. I cannot pronounce your name, so I'm not going to try it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. And there's another comment here by Tabitha. This is a very good point, Dr. Joe. Removing ourselves from people who can hurt us because of a lack of skills or refusal to communicate. Awesome. Thank you, Tabitha. Well, I can say this has been an awesome experience for me. And I'm so happy to have you on this show today. Thank and you. And I look forward to having you on again. Thank you. I'd be, I'd be more than happy to come back. You've been watching Black Mental Health Matters. We are here for you. We are building our website where you'll be able to log in and connect with a therapist of your choice and also have access to the resources like books, articles, and other healing modern subjects, whatever you call it. But we're here for you. We're here for the community of Black persons who do not have access to mental health mm. practitioners. We're here for you. Yes. Thanks again, Dr. John Samuel. Thank you. Awesome being in your presence. Thank you. Have a great day. Same to you and thanks.